What is going on, everybody? I am Greg Hellback, and my co-host, Michael Pinter, and I are bringing you another episode of the New York Real Estate Investing Show. This show is all about how to be successful in New York State, one of the best places and one of the most difficult places to do business in. And each and every week, Michael and I are going to bring awesome content to everybody who wants to learn how to do this business successfully in New York. Between the both of us, we have done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of deals. We've made millions of dollars and we've also made a ton of mistakes. So if you want to try your best to avoid those mistakes, definitely take a listen to this podcast. Every single week, we are going to provide actionable tactical steps on how you can be successful investing in the Empire State of New York. Stay tuned and welcome to the show. Today, we have a very important show. We're going to talk about a topic that I see so much bullshit about on the internet. Me and Michael, if, if you lock both of us in a hotel room together on like a random Tuesday, we can talk about this topic for 12 hours straight, but we would both just fall asleep after the first six hours because we probably say the same thing over and over again. So we're going to talk today about the ethics of wholesaling and this crazy belief that a lot of new people have and some experienced people have that if you're wholesaling, especially in New York, especially because our price points are higher, that you're supposedly ripping the seller off. And I feel like this is such an important conversation and a topic because if you have this belief in your brain, all the other episodes that we've put out will not serve you because you will fundamentally have a like a, a subconscious stall in your mindset. So Michael, let, let's just kind of get into this because you, you've coached a lot of students and, uh, you know, this has been something that you've kind of seen come up for the last, you know, year you've been doing this. For sure. It's, so this really is about mindset. We could probably do 20 other episodes just about mindset, but this is one of the biggest parts of mindset because I think a lot of people naturally, when they learn about this business, and certainly a lot of people don't, who have, you know, superficial understanding of the business they believe that what we do is predatory, right? If I'm able to buy a house for 60% of what it's worth, somebody must be getting screwed, right? And therefore, they feel like everything we do is bad. Now, if you're not a jerk or an a-hole uh, and you get into a business where you think you have to be a jerk or an a-hole and you're sort of ripping off old, old widows, then you're not going to be successful, right? Because that's going to hold you back, right? Because you're going to feel bad making offers at prices that you can buy it. And you're just going to feel like you're taking advantage of people. If that's in your head, this episode is here to dispel that notion because it's not true. Um, what Greg and I do and what a lot of people we know do is uh, not, even if you're buying properties at a discount, you are not taking advantage of anyone. And we're going to talk more about why that is and sort of how you have to think about it. Uh, Greg, you want to talk a little bit about it? Yeah, for sure. So the biggest thing that I will say, I had a podcast before we hit record with another gentleman, and I was saying like, if you know what you're doing and you understand how to follow a sales process, and I teach sales process, Michael is a big fan of sales process. It's something that's helped us throughout our careers. If you are transparent with the seller and you know how to communicate effectively and you let them know all of their options, there's you should never feel bad that you get some crazy cheap price on a house. And here's what I mean by this. So I'm going to actually take a step back. 
So there's a lot of, I'm going to use your word, Michael, that I've been using like three times a day. There's a lot of knuckle-dragging Neanderthals out there who teach this business, who make it sound like they're in some boiler room in Utah, and they're like, you know, like selling like 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 uh, car warranties over the phone. Clothes, clothes, a- clothes. Hey, sell me your house, sell me your house. So, so this is where the problem lies. Some gurus, we won't name names, make it kind of like if, if, if you you sell all the benefits of a cash offer and you tell the seller that, oh, if you list your house on the market, you're an idiot and it's going to take nine years. And Realtors are idiots. Uh, those guys are yeah. just trying to rip you off. <laughs> yeah. Realtors are the worst and they're the devil's stepson and all this crazy crap. And they kind of trick people into thinking that you should trick sellers and like, oh, you know, you should sell for cash because you're going to make more money somehow. And there's all this garbage out there. But the, the point I'm trying to make is that when you over disclose to the seller, the fact that if they want the most money, they should list it and they know their option is listing it if they'd want, especially in New York where people are savvy and these houses are expensive. And you tell the seller, hey, listen, if you're looking to get the most money, you should list the house. And I, I definitely think that is what you should do if you're looking to get the most money. And if you sell to me, you're trading some equity for convenience and certainty. And as long as the seller knows that, and they can, as you would say, it's a voluntary transaction. They're obviously, you know, um, kind of making the decision on their own. If they want to sell you the property for pennies on the dollar, then then that's fine. There's there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. This is a business. You know, you got to make a profit in this business. So you, you need to understand that as long as you disclose and you let people know what their options are, and then they come back to you and say, hey, I get it. I understand I can get more if I list it. I don't want to do that for some sort of reason. I want to sell for cash. You should never feel bad. I mean, what are your thoughts? I mean, it's just like pretty logical to think about so, it. So, so first of all, there's, there's two scenarios. There are scenarios where somebody can list it, right? Property is a disaster. Yeah. Mortgageable. Um, yes. So in those situations, obviously, you know, they, they, they can't list it. Um, no. Or at least, at least it, would, it would be hard for them to list it and get a decent price. But yeah. most situations that you and I go in, they can list it. So I just I just left an appointment an hour ago. Um, very old, original house, been vacant for a year and a half. Uh, occupant died. This is the the son-in-law of the occupant, and I'm like, listen, I'll give you two prices, right? I'll I'll tell you what you can list it at. You can list it with me or with anybody else, and I'll give you a number. I said you probably can make a little more listing it. I said, but understand the the trade-off. Um, if you list it. Number one is you can go into, con- I, I had, I had a contract fall out today after three months on a deal that I, it was a straight up listing for somebody I know. And the borrower just said, uh, you know, we got denied. So I said, understand that if you, if you, if you list it, there's a few options. I go, I said, first of all, they can give you a price. Then they're going to send in an inspector who will probably knock the crap out of this house. Cause this house needs a lot of work. I said, then they can do an appraisal. And if it's an FHA appraisal that the appraiser can require you to do things. I said, and after all that, they can drag you along for three months and then just walk away. I said, I've been, I was in the mortgage business for 17 years and the standard mortgage contingency that applies on almost every retail deal is basically a get out of contract free card. I said, and also what's going to happen is they're going to need you to get a broom clean. I go, the house needs a lot of cleaning. So if you sell it to me, you're going to take less money. I said, but you're not going to have to clean out any of the stuff. I'll close whenever you want. I'm never going to come back to you on the price and tell you I need a lower price. And that's the certainty and convenience that you pay for, for using an investor. You know, the, the example I give to people is Starbucks, right? You go into Starbucks, you pay $7 for a cup of coffee, which is 
think about what's in there. There's ice, water, and some freaking beans. It probably cost Starbucks 15 cents. No one ever said Starbucks is predatory, right? Because it's a voluntary transaction. You choose to spend $7 on a cup of coffee. Now, you do that for the certainty and convenience that Starbucks provides, right? You don't want to buy the beans. You don't want to grind the beans. You don't want to buy a milk frother. You don't want to buy cups. You don't want to buy stirs. You don't want to buy all that crap. And you want it there when you when you want it. So you pay Starbucks what seems a ridiculously high price. Crazy. For the certainty and convenience that Starbucks provides. We do the same thing as investors. We provide certainty and convenience. And there is a price for that. And we are upfront about it. And it is a voluntary transaction. And I've had situations where I told people, you know, there's no, I looked at it, there's no reason for you to list this. And they go, I don't want to go through that. Now it could be because they had a bad experience before with a realtor or with a situation where they had a buyer and they go, just give me your cash price. And I bought, and I bought, bought those properties too, but it's, it's basically, we, again, we provide certainty and convenience for uh, reduced proceeds. That's what we do. That's all it is. And it's, it's, a, it's a give and take. And the key there is it's a voluntary transaction. And when you let the seller know their options, number one, you're going to build credibility and rapport. And number two, you're going to get a better deal too. Because like, there's this book I got to read called Always Be the Buyer by Dan Sullivan. And it's all about like, you know, never get desperate. It's a big, it should be probably be called Never Get Desperate if you really like summarize the book. But uh, it's in my Audible key or whatever. But the, the thing is, when you understand this and you implement this, you'll never feel bad about getting like, I listen, I, you and I get houses where we'll make six figures in, in profit. And like, there's never been a time where I'm like, oh, you know what? Like, I really think the sell, like, no, like it, this is capitalism. This is America. This is a free market. This is not, you know, some, you know, freaking hundred percent. And, yeah. and the truth is the sellers in almost every one of those situations didn't really either want to or understand how to create the value that we created, right? Exactly. The seller, the seller does not have access to a list of cash buyers. The seller would not know how to get the price that we sold it to or to make the repairs that we do or didn't want to, right? Maybe they, they, usually they don't have the ability to, and they certainly didn't want to, right? They're certainly not going to exactly. sit around Googling cash buyer in my city and hopefully finding someone who's going to give them more money than you or I could. They contacted us because of the simplicity the certainty and the convenience of it. Exactly. And not only, this is where I think we add a lot of value and we'll get into the wholesaling part in a minute here. A lot of the value that I add on wholesale deals is the title problems. And listen, I'm, I don't like dealing with title problems, but I hell, I certainly know what I'm doing and you certainly know what you're doing. We have done some hairy properties to say the least. And if a seller, if it wasn't for me, they would have never gotten that money because they didn't get the 21 airship affidavit signed. They didn't get the freaking document from the surrogates court. I mean, there's so many, I can, I could do, I could probably make a course on title issues. I won't, but I probably could. And there are so many things that sellers, honestly, especially with like vacant inherited properties, they don't know where to start. And my pitch is like, listen, you're going to sell for less money. If you sell to me, you'll get more if you list it. However, I know exactly what's going on with the title. And I know for sure in a couple of months, I can get this title cleared up and you can get this money you weren't even expecting. And for, to them, it's like, I'm like found money because they thought they couldn't sell it. They didn't think that the probate, blah, 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 insert your objection. And I know for a fact that if it wasn't for me, that property was going to go to the auction or it was going to go back to the bank or whatever the case was going to be. Sure. And I know that's the value that I can provide. And here's where I think 
let's say someone listens to this and they're like, I get it. I agree with that. You're getting a house at a discount, but what about wholesaling? Like you're assigning the contract for a 60 K assignment fee. What the fuck? Here's like my, 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 my objection to that. Number one, assuming you over-disclose and you tell the seller they're selling under market value and they agree on a price, what you do with the property is completely irrelevant, assuming you can close. The problem I have with wholesaling, and I will say this, if these, I'm going to say it again, knuckle-dragging Neanderthals don't know what they're doing and they get these houses under contract that are not deals and they're telling the seller they're going to get X and they're depending on Y buyer to fund the deal and it's not a deal and they're putting the homeowner in a jam. Yeah, obviously, like you don't need to be a heart surgeon to figure out that's kind of shady. However, Michael and I and all the good investors out there, A, know what we're doing and B, will over-disclose the, up the wazoo and we'll close if need be. So I have no problem assigning a contract for a $75,000 assignment fee. And, and I don't feel bad about it because the seller knew about it. And at the end of the day, that is a like legal like thing you can do. It's, you're just capitalizing on a under market asset. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? I sound like I'm like some professor right I, now. You so, know, so I agree hundred percent. Yeah. First of all, like you and I and the, and the good people we know in this, well, first of all, there's a lot less of what you just described in New York, because in New York, there's no, none of that bullshit contingency stuff that you have in the yeah. United States. Yeah, that's and true. These jerkies are going, you know, watching a couple of hours on YouTube and then finding some deal that they don't know what the value is getting into a contract where they have two weeks and in two weeks, they, they basically jerk the guy around because they went in too high yeah. in New York where you and I both operate, when we go into contract, there's no contingencies. We have no Very way hard. Power, right? I have to, we have to either assign it or we have to close on it. Those are two choices. And you and I both have the ability to close on things, which gives us a huge advantage and makes us very, uh, makes us have restful, restful sleep at night. Cause we know we're not gonna get in some, some crazy situation where we're in the middle. Although we still end up in the middle sometimes between the, yeah. our buyer and our seller. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but the point is that, um, it's, it's important as long as people here are dealing in New York anyway, are dealing with someone who has the ability to close, you know, and I, and I've had some pushback from sellers where they say, well, I didn't know you were going to assign it. And at that point, they're never livid, but at that point, I, you know, you can say either, well, this is my partner uh, who's going to do the work or this guy's going to do the work, or you can say, Hey, listen, um, you know, I, I didn't want to, didn't want to do it, but I've never had someone, um, go bananas on me for assigning it, even when I made a six-figure assignment fee. The bottom line is they got the price that they agreed on getting. Exactly. And we provided that for them. And that's the that's the bottom line. Like I, when you go to contract with Greg or myself, you're going to get that number, right? And you're going to get it pretty much whenever you want it um, because we're flexible on time. Sometimes, and, and, you know, people that are new in the business think that it's always going to be some kind of crazy urgency. Like somebody has to close in a week. But I've bought more houses from people who needed more time because they didn't know where they're going to go than from people who needed to close really fast. I bought some of those. So again, what, what we provide is, is really simple, right? I'm going to close whenever you want. I'm usually going to take it as is, including with tons of crap inside. Uh, sometimes they're going to, it depends on how much crap it is. And, and we're going to give you that price when, when, when you want it. And that, that is a big deal, especially if a seller was burned before or if a seller has some kind of aversion, there are people who are still COVID crazy. They, the thought of listing a house and having hundreds of people going through the house to them is not worth it for them. They'd rather just sell it you know, for less and have just one guy come through there once. So um, it, like you said, it's a voluntary transaction. We're not beating uh, widows and orphans over the head with the sledgehammer and stealing their house. Um, we're not doing it, certainly not doing anything illegal. That's for sure. And I think that 
if you don't have that right mindset, when, if you don't have that mindset in when you start this, it's going gonna, it's gonna to push you. It's going to push you towards failure. I know people that have failed because they could not get their head right um, about what we're talking about. They could not, they could not believe that buying a property, you know, $100,000 less than they could wholesale it for um, was not predatory. And I don't, I don't believe it's predatory. So I don't believe it at all. And he, here's another, here's a way to reframe it. This is how, this is something that I, I was teaching Brett and some, some, in uh, Anna. I'm like, at the end of the day, like you got to have a successful business. And I actually learned this in a book and um, I think the pumpkin plan there's Mike Michalowicz is an author. I really like his stuff. Yeah, so I'm like reading his book. Too. Yeah. At the end of the day, if your business isn't profitable, you can't serve your customers, right? Think about it that way. Like if you're not making a lot of money on wholesale deals, how are you supposed to serve your business? How are you supposed to serve your team? How are you supposed to serve your, your marketplace and, and you know, serve the, the freaking the government when you pay your taxes at the end of the year? Like you need to be profitable in order to run a, a successful business. So the way I look at it is like assuming the sellers know what's going on and they're okay with everything, which we overdisclose. You should make the most money as humanly possible. And this is like kind of another little rabbit hole where like these idiots online are like, oh, you should never make more than $10,000 on an assignment for you. Right. Like, I love that. Right. What are you smoking meth and then coming on the podcast? <laughs> like, what are you what, like? If I'm this is another, this drives me nuts. Like, oh, the whole like there's these idiot buyers like, oh, wholesalers should only get ten to fifteen thousand dollars and Blah, yeah. blah, blah. It's like, no, no, no. If you can get $70,000 and the market will dig, this is a free market freaking economy here. I, I know with all the bullshit going on with socialism, thank, it's thank God, thank God. Yeah. Thank gosh. I mean, hopefully it will stay that way as long as Michael and I are around, you know, hundreds of years after, but it, this is a free market economy. If you're going out and you're putting the work in to get these properties, you should maximize your dollars on your wholesale deals. So if you think as a wholesaler, you're only allowed to make some bullshit arbitrary number. You're, you're going to get slammed because at the end of the day, if you're not maxing out your wholesale deals or at least trying to max out your wholesale deals, you're going to burn out. And you're, you got to think about it like you're, you're, you're doing your family a disservice. You're doing your team a disservice. You're doing the freaking your attorneys a disservice. You're doing everybody a disservice by not trying to get the most money for any property you're, you're selling or renting. You're doing, you're doing your cash buyer a strong, a strong solid though. <laughs> you are, but I'm not, I, I, it's funny you say that. So a lot of our deals were selling to onesie twosie buyers. And I just, I had to actually like sell a wholesale. I hope the guy's not listening to this, please to dear God, hopefully this airs after we close, but I had to say, it's a good deal. It's not a bad deal. I, I would close on it anyway, but it needs a crap ton of work. And like, I only had a few buyers who were really interested and this guy saw it. And I had to kind of like sell the deal yesterday. I'm like, I normally don't sell wholesale. They sell themselves. But I was like kind of doing the dog and pony show and like dealing with objections and all that crap. So at the end of the day, I maxed that property. I freaking maxed that sucker out like I was on the bench press. However, I see these freaking wholesalers. And if they're, if they're out there, they can come to me. I'll, whatever price they want, I'll pay. But they're, they're, they think that the standard is 10, 15K. And listen, if you're in New York and you're getting properties, if you're getting 10 to 15K in your wholesale deals, you're doing it the wrong way. Come to Michael and I, we'll JV the freaking deals. We'll make 60, we'll split 30 each and you'll, you know, you'll be happy as a clam. So don't think in your head, there's some bullshit belief, like I'm 100%. only allowed to make this because it's a wholesale deal. Like, please, please squash that right now. hundred percent. So two things. First off, you're operating in one of the really popular areas like uh, Phoenix, Dallas, Vegas. In those areas, it's very tough. First of all, the price points are smaller. It's tough to make 10, 15, 20 grand on a deal. So if you're watching YouTube from people that are in that, those areas, and, not, and I would say 
60 to 70% of the people on YouTube are from those areas, you know, they may tell you be happy with 10, $15,000, but you should, the truth is, the truth is that the wholesale fee should be around 10%, 10% of the ARV. That's around, around what it should be. So if your ARVs are $500,000, you should be shooting for, you know, 40, $50,000. Now, what you said before about this, what it should be. So I, I, so the first four years I was doing this, I was buying at auction, live auction, online auction. I used to go to this Nassau County auction every single Tuesday. And I sat next to a guy who I liked very much. And I kept notes. I have notes on almost every single buy that happened over four years. And I knew exactly what this guy would pay. I knew which areas he liked. I knew what he paid. So when I stopped going there because I couldn't control what I was buying or not. Um, and I got some wholesale deals. I showed it to him. Like I knew this was right in his wheelhouse. I knew he was willing to pay much more than I was giving it to him. And he would say, I can't, I can't do it. I can't let you make more than $10,000. Oh I'm my like, gosh. I'm like, you'll pay $300,000 for this at the auction. I'm offering it to you for 250, but that's no good. Cause my price is 210. And he goes, it's just the thing with me. And the guy missed out. The guy probably could have got 20 to 30 more deals through the years, but I don't call him anymore because he wanted to count my money. That's absurd, right? You can't act like that in business. You can never count other people's money and decide what they should make or what they shouldn't make. Everybody's going to make as much money as possible. That's how capitalism works. And that is every, that's in everybody's right to do that, right? I've bought properties. I bought properties from a wholesaler that made $140,000 on the deal. And then they tacked out another $20,000 inconvenience fee. From 120 to 140, yes. But um, <laughs> I'm saying, and I, but I rehabbed it and I made 60, 70 grand and I was thrilled. I'm not going to start counting other people's money. If that's how you're going to be, then you that is a recipe for disaster. So yeah, you should not be limiting what you can on wholesale fees. As Todd Toback says, you should absolutely, every single deal should be an auction. And if you are not auctioning and you're just giving people, you know, what if they, the guys who say, what's the number, what's the number, what's the number, those guys uh, are trying to rip you off. I agree with you. I actually had a, a buyer in our market who we both know because I I'm I'm like a kind of a savage with the wholesale deals. Like I don't like I, I'm like dude I'm I'm taking this thing to I, I'm taking it to the wholesale MLS. Like I'm not. And he's like he was like oh you know you're you're, you're I don't like the way you do these wholesale deals. I'm like, for, like he I, and he's bought for me. He's a great buyer, great guy. Really like we both know awesome awesome guy. Like nothing but good things to say. But he was like he's like I don't like how you do this kind of like thing. I'm like bro. You, you don't like you cannot pocket wholesale in 2021 it's just no. not the way to do it you know good there's a good rehabber in my area great guy i like him a lot but when i when i have a wholesale deal and i got like 60 people outside i i see him come out of his car and get back in his car he's like i can't i can't deal with that he's like if you want to call me i'll talk to you he goes but i'm not competing with all these people that's just how it is and that's like that's you're not market. gonna have that buyer on your deals i've ended up that my buyer on those deals but thankfully there's enough other buyers that it doesn't matter. It's supply. That's the thing with wholesale deals. It is supply and demand. It's not, it's nothing less but that. And that's where I see, here's a, here's a real like scenario though. Like this, it's all about like when you're negotiating, like if you put your deal out to a list, okay. And you're going to, you're trying to make 40 grand or whatever, like we try to make, and you have one buyer who's really interested. You better not tell that buyer they're the only person they're competing with, you know, because then they're going to take your underwear off and they're going to, you know, wave it around you know but but when you i always say we have interest which is true because if there was no interest you know it, there's always interest if you ask me everyone's always interested at the right price key there and you always want to make the buyers seem and this is generally nine out of ten my deals 
there is other buyers looking at this property and it's going to most likely sell for the highest and best price, right? And sometimes that's asking price, sometimes it's higher, sometimes it's lower, depending on the case. But never feel like when you're a wholesaler, you have to sell to one person and you're obligated to sell them properties and they are such a good human and they took you out to lunch and bought you spaghetti and like, no, 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 no. That's not how it works, you know? So the big point we're trying to make here, obviously we could talk about this for hours. This is like, you know, this is music to my ears. Number one, if you're disclosing to the seller that they have options and they are going to sell for less to you and they're going to get more if they list it and they make the decision themselves, you, you should not feel bad about wholesaling it. You should not feel bad about getting it at a cheap price. Also, if you can close on the properties or you can align with you know, align yourself with someone like Michael or I who can close on the properties, you're always going to have an exit, right? You're going to buy the house. At that point, you it, it is your duty to get the most money for that property and let the market dictate what the price is. And don't take some guru's advice in Phoenix or Dallas or wherever and say, oh, you should only make $10,000. Like that, that honestly, it, it almost makes me want to throw up because it, you're, you're basically just robbing your family. You're robbing your employees. You're robbing your, your escrow companies and your attorney. You're, you're, you're literally, literally taking money out of your pocket and giving it to a cash buyer into his pocket and just saying, <laughs> here, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, ma'am. May I have another? <laughs> you want to hear a funny story on this, actually? This is, I'll wrap it up with this story. So this is a San Diego deal, but it's the same shit. Markets are similar. So I get this house and I put it out and it's, it's like piranhas attacking a piece of meat in the garbage can in, in the sea. It's, it's just like, it's this pandemonium. And I have, I, there's some people that I'm really good friends with out here that we've done business together. And, you know, we've, I've sold them properties and they're like, where do I got to be at? Where do I got to be at? Hey, what, what's it going to take to get this? And like, these are good guys, like good, solid guys. And I'm like, listen, man, I love you, brother, but I'm, I'm going to have to let this thing go to highest and best. And I ended up selling it to some, you know, random guy. He's a good guy, but I'm selling it to this guy for an absolute premium, like full market wholesale property profit. And everyone's cool about it. No one's mad at you. Nobody's like, oh, Greg's a jerk. He didn't sell me this deal because like everyone understands where you're coming from. Like it's, it's especially if they're a logical human being, like, you know, like I always say this to buyers, if they like give me bullshit, I say, listen, I totally get where you're coming from, Rick. But if you were in my shoes with this property and you had 10 people interested, what would you do if you were me? And when you say that question, I guarantee you, they're either going to say nothing or they're going to say, you know what? You're right. You're right. right. Yeah, I got 10 people. And you, so it's like, yeah, you're yeah. not doing anyone favors here. This is not a charity. Yeah. So I had a buyer that I sent a lot of properties to, and I, and I got into the unfortunate habit of like him asking me what the price was and me guessing and him saying, okay. And then eventually I stopped doing that. And then he got upset at me. Like, he's like, oh, well, he used to call me, you know, he likes to stop by the office. And, um, but in the end, I sold them another property like soon after, like a couple of months later. So like, even if they say they're upset because they're not getting, they're not basically getting over on you, um, they'll still buy something that they think they can make money on. It's a number score. So, exactly. Right, that's it. So as, as my, like, even that guy who's like upset and comes to my open house, the, my, my wholesale viewings and then leaves, he'll still buy something for me if I have something to sell. Like, like these buyers are still going to buy anytime they think they can make a profit. So exactly. um, so the idea that you're going to upset people, you know, that, that, that's got to go out of your head also. That's also, it's the same ethics kind of thing. Like you're not, you're not doing anybody any favors by selling things below what you can get for it. hundred percent. Here's the big thing I will say about that too, just so people have context here and then think like we're like, so here's what I will do. I will say this when a buyer puts in their best offer and that is the best and final. And I give a buyer my word. I 
will sell them that property. This is on the, on the retail side, forget about it. Cause there's these asshole agents who are going to just basically give you a hand job and say, go away. You know? So it's like, so this is on the wholesale side. And like, if, if someone's offended by like, listen, this is how Michael and I talk. So like, this, we're not, we're being ourselves here. Right. Let's just be honest. So, so if I tell a buyer, I'm going to sell them a property, I'm going to sell them the property and it's up to them to perform. So I'll give you an example. I had a pro this actually happened on the Oceanside deal. I told the guy I was doing business with him. This other guy calls me up and he's like, Hey, where do I need to be at? And I said, Hey, I already told the guy I'm mm -hmm. selling it. So, so that's where you kind of got like, once I tell a buyer, I'm selling them the property, I'm going to follow through. It's funny. I actually did this yesterday. This is like me being a dumbass, but this guy was kind of milking my udders like slowly. Like he was trying to get the milk to come out. And I was like, all right, like, let's, let's, I'm like, let's decide if we're going to do business or not. And I said, if your big objection is this, like this, this part of the rehab, that's like kind of in the air. I said, I'll tell you what, because you've seen the house, I'll give you 3K off if you just make a decision. And then you can have clarity. He's like, I appreciate that. Um, I, I, I want to buy the house. I'm just going to buy the house. That's fine. And I said, okay, cool. And I, I said, listen, here's the deal. I'll let you decide what you want to do. I told you I'll give you 3K off. Obviously, market price is whatever, 135. You let me know what you think is fair. And then I'll sell it to you at whatever price you want. And he's like, you know what, Greg? You have integrity. I like the way you do business. I'll buy it for retail. So I basically gave the guy three grand off and he said, you know what? I'm still going to pay fucking retail. So, so I'll take that three grand. I'll get a steak dinner. But anyway, the point of that is like, do what you say three, you're going to do. Three grand for a steak dinner. That's some expensive steak. I don't know. We'll go to fucking Cabo or something where you were just we'll, we'll convert it to pesos. But the point of that is when you have a cash buyer and you're actually going to like, do what you say you're going to do with the buyer. Don't like take an offer and then like, Oh, by the way, Rick, just like, just, just assuming the number is what you're looking to get. And you've decided like, just, just move forward with that buyer. Because at the end of the day, if it is competitive, they're going to want to make sure that you're going to move forward if you give them your word. So like your word is something that you, you only have, uh, you only have your word at the end of the day. So if people know that you're a flake, they're going to discount everything that you do after the fact. But if they know that you do what you say you're going to do and you operate with integrity and then you perform with integrity, the next deal you do with them is going to be that much easier. Have you ever had any examples with that, Michael, where you've had some, yeah, you know, so, buyers? I, so whenever I'm selling something retail, as you said, oh, it, say, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I say to people, I'm accepting your offer, but I'm, I'm going to continue to market the property. Oh, all, yes. all, everything is, all documents are executed because I've had too many buyers who just screwed me over oh, in a second. Yes. But I do that too. I just had a situation like that where some guy offered me $20,000 more for a deal where I gave the guy uh, my word and we closed. I don't know if the guy who was offering 20 more was real. He's Sounds like a jerk. I never sold to him and I had sold to this guy. So, but I agree when you give your word and you got it, you got to keep your word. You got to follow through. Cool. Well, I hope everyone got entertainment from that show and they got a lot of information. Please make sure you don't let these limiting beliefs hold you back. Max out your wholesale deals. If Oh, by the way, quick commercial. If you have wholesale deals and you're in New York, which you probably do if you're listening to the show, if you're in Arkansas listening to the show, send me an email, greg at velocityhousebuyers.com. I want to know why you're listening to the show not to accuse you, but to figure out like, maybe you can do this virtually. And I'm serious. So if you have deals and you're in New York, hit up myself, hit up Michael, depending on where you're at geographically. And we'd love to JV with you. We've been doing a lot of that. We've been helping a lot of people. So hit us up and uh, we'll be happy to JV with you on deals. Leave a review on iTunes, share this show with people and we'll get the word out to more folks and hope everyone has a good day and we'll catch you on the next episode.